today on the Beginner Photography Podcast. My, my creativity comes, from, first of all, from aspirations. I want to get close. How do I get closer? I want to shoot from above this behavior. How do I do that? So it comes from a need. So my creativity comes from a need and not out of uh, uh, creativity for the sake of creativity. But planning is a key factor because I have a list of images I want to do. And I think everybody should have a list. It doesn't mean you get the list done. I don't think, I don't know any photographer who got his list done, <laughs> but having a list helps you focus on what you need to get. Hey, Raymond here from the Beginner Photography Podcast, and today we're talking about wildlife and conservation photography. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Beginner Photography Podcast with Raymond Hatfield, the podcast dedicated to helping you grow your photography skills. Raymond interviews the world's top photographers in their field to ask questions that will get you taking better photos today. Now, with you as always, husband, father, home brewer, L.A. Dodger fan, and Indianapolis wedding photographer, Raymond Hatfield. Oh, welcome back. Each and every one of you, I'm happy to see you. I'm happy for you to be here right now with me, hanging out, chatting, talking about photography, because that is what we are doing today on the podcast, like every week, I guess. So it's not just today, it's, 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 every, it's every day. So this is, this is just another great episode. This is another episode that I, I got to be honest, I love what I do. I really do, and today is no exception. Uh, you guys are going to get a lot out of this interview, and I, because I interview somebody who I've never interviewed before in this genre of photography, wildlife and conservation photography. I've tried to get other wildlife photographers on here. They're busy. They're in other remote parts of the world, and it just so happened that with today's guest, I our calendars lined up and we made we made magic we made magic so i know that you guys are gonna really enjoy this episode but first i want to give a shout out to a recent itunes review i love these i love itunes reviews whenever i see a new review i i get like like warm inside i know that sounds dumb it's not it's not the beer i promise it is it's the joy that i get uh from hearing your take on photography, learning photography, and the podcast itself. So today's iTunes review comes from Mick Grody Danny number one. Mick Grody Danny, I don't know who you are, but all I can say is thank you for your review. He says, or maybe she says, I don't know, they say, this is such a great resource for anyone trying to get into photography or are already a photographer. So many topics are discussed, many of which I tried to wrap my head around uh, that aren't even related to photography uh, or using a camera. For example, one topic was all about photography contracts and the many scenarios that could occur. Well, Mick Grody Danny, number one, thank you again for leaving me a review. And thank you for having a hilarious username that makes me giggle like a child every time I say it because it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's interesting. So, again, uh, if you are interested in that interview that, uh, that they mentioned about photography contracts, that was interview number 135 with Rachel Brenke the law tog so go back and have a listen to that if you didn't already uh she shares a ton about uh all of the legalities of being a new photographer you know like when you need to have a contract what should be in that contract we talk a lot about money so again if you're interested go back and have a listen 
Okay, we're going to get into today's uh, interview, but before we do that, I have to make a bit of a disclaimer. Uh, today's audio is not the best. I uh, have tried everything to uh, to work it out, but we did have some technical difficulties when recording, uh, and something went haywire. <laughs> so, uh, again, I did my best. It is not the audio quality of, of, of episodes past, but... Uh, I know that you are still going to be able to get a ton out of this interview. So uh, just know that the audio goes from good right in the beginning to, uh, well, it just drops off really quick. And again, I did my best, but um, I'm not an audio engineer. This is not the beginner audio engineers podcast, okay? I, I, I did my best, and I hope that you can still get a lot out of, uh, out, out, out of this interview. But once again, I will say that... Uh, there's specifically, if you're in your car right now, please listen up. There's specifically one uh, uh, moment pretty early on where uh, I believe on Rory's end, uh, there was a horn honking outside of his window and it startled me. And I'm standing here stationary in an office. So if you're driving a car, it may and in fact probably will startle, startle, startle you. Why was that hard for me to say? So uh, just uh, don't go looking around, uh, you know, uh, figure out who you're going, going to uh, cut off in traffic because it's uh, it's the audio uh, so that's it that's all that's all that's all that I can say about that uh, we're going to get into this interview right now with wildlife and conservation photographer Rory Gallitz today's guest is Rory Gallitz an award-winning wildlife and conservation photographer whose life mission is to shoot photos that speak for those who cannot speak for themselves having shot endangered animals all around the world. I'm so excited to talk about how we can make a difference in the world with our cameras. Roy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Of course. Before we get started, I want to know in your own words, what is wildlife and conservation photographer? So um, I'd say it's a form of communication, first of all. Because uh, you're telling stories. I mean, we've all seen what the nature is. We've all seen the struggle those animals are going through on a daily basis. We've all seen our impact. So for me, photography is a way to communicate that into viewers worldwide. Because the animals can't speak for themselves. And many people write about it. But nothing is stronger than your eyesight. Some, nothing is stronger than hardcore visual evidence of storytelling on what's going on in the field. That's that's what it is for me. So I've, I've seen your talks and I know that obviously uh, you know not only a lot about the ecosystem that these animals are in that you're talking about, but you're also a very talented photographer. So I got to know what was it that came first? Was it the love of photography or was it the love of conservation? Well, of course, the answer is one. It's the love of photography. Because I fell in love with photography and photography has broadened my horizons in such a profound way that I, I finally found a way to share my world perspective, the way I see and feel the world. And it uh, gave me tools to experience the world in a more enhanced way. 
So photography and the passion for photography came first. And at the beginning, I was photographing everything and anything. I was addicted. I was obsessed. I'm not, I'm not shy to say the word obsessed. And, uh, and the love for, for nature came during that period. And it became my, my primary focus on, in photography around 2006. Until then, I was doing everything since 2003 to 2006. I even shot some commercials. I've done some commercial work, some portraits. But the, the two loves for wildlife, nature, and, and photography uh, got together and just happened very naturally, so to speak. <laughs> so when you first picked up that camera, I want to know, what was, what was the hardest part about photography uh, from a technical standpoint for you to learn? Um, to be honest, the technical side was the easiest one for me. I just, uh, it all felt so logical, so simple, like the way it should have been. Uh, and actually the creative side was my uh, bigger difficulty. Mm -hmm. that's, where I, that's where I struggled. That's where I was fighting to find my own voice, my own uh, uh, input. Um, it, it wasn't the technical side. The technicality was always easy for me, uh, but the creative side is a lot so, more. So when it came yeah. to the creative side, um, was it your early photos that you looked at and you just realized that they weren't where you saw others, where their photos were? Or what was it that led you to, to, to start focusing on, on the creative side? Well, uh, I used creativity through technique. I thought that, uh, well, for me, first of all, photography was a way to experience the world in a in richer, enriched way. Um, but in order to get to that point, I used technique as my tool for creativity. Because for me, if you show somebody the world as it is, it isn't that interesting because they already see it that way because that's the way it is. So I wanted to show the world in a different view. So I started doing and experimenting with uh, macro photography, uh, insects, you know, bugs, and so on. I started doing some landscape. I really I got into infrared photography and uh, HDR, which is like, I think every photographer falls into that right, ditch. Right there in the beginning, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then, and then you get out and you see that it's all, it's all really <laughs> the worst kind of thing. <laughs> but, but we all did it. It's okay. Uh, everybody's photographing, everybody started photographing flowers and cats. Yeah. Some, some still do, but you continue onwards. So uh, I used the technique to find my different view to show the world in a different way uh, as other photographers are looking at the world in a different way and showing it creatively without technique so I started uh, aspiring in that direction I started looking into other 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 photographers works and uh, post-processing so I when think that's uh, it's still my challenge because every time I try to show things differently, I, I've been doing that ever since. It's a going struggle, and I don't think anybody there is any. I don't think there is any photographer who doesn't struggle with it. 
because it's the, the holy grail because you want to show something new because if you're showing more of the same you're irrelevant you're not interesting you've got to experience you've got to experiment you've got to show in the world in a different view wow. and I think it's it, it will never finish that struggle I love that kind of sentiment that you had there. Uh, so my question is, once once somebody, uh, they get going, right, they practice all sorts of photography, they figure out something that they're kind of drawn to, and then they start to go towards that path, and then still experiment, experiment, experiment. Can you give me an example of, of maybe today where you're still experimenting in your photography, 13 years in? <laughs> sure. Um, actually, it's 16 when I started, but right. just wildlife photography is 13. Yes. But uh, I'd like to I'd like to elaborate on on the previous note before I go into my current experimentation. Yes. Um, I think that each and every one of us, and for, I, I'm for sure one of them, uh, we all have our strengths and our weaknesses. Okay, and. In life in general, in photography specifically, you've got to find, you need to map who you are and where is your strength and where is your weaknesses. Uh, and you got to go with your strengths. Because if you st start going with your weaknesses, you'll only be mediocre at best after a long struggle and lots of failures. Uh, and that's not a good way to go in life in general and photography uh, specifically. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I've been mapping my own. I've been doing some inner thinking. And I think that every photographer should do that. What am I good at? What am I bad at? Where are my weaknesses? Where are my strengths? Where are my opportunities? Where are my threats? Uh, and I, I came to understanding that I'm not really creative. <laughs> I'm not sorry. I'm not really, uh, you know. You can say not very. Uh, my wife says not uh, very low emotional, uh, emotional. Uh, how do you call it? Um, quantity uh, okay. intelligence, emotional yeah. intelligence. <laughs> you, you know that phrase, of course. Yeah, that, that term. Uh, so I, I'm, I, I thought I was good at portrait photography, but I really wasn't mm -hmm. because. That's my weakness. Other photographers are doing an amazing job. They get into the room, they see that their subject, they become best friends within five minutes. And in the next 10 minutes, they photograph your soul. <laughs> okay, I'm, I, I can't do that. I can't, I don't have that ability as a human being. Uh, so although I thought I wanted to be a portrait photographer, I, I don't have that ability. I don't have that, that skill set. Uh, but, as I said, I'm very technical. So I went into the, into the areas in photography where technicality matters. And that's in uh, uh, commercial work. And that's in uh, sports photography and nature photography. Because the other is you need skills that I don't have, such as creativity or, or uh, emotional intelligence or uh, other sets of skills. Uh, so after that mapping, I, I remained with those three. And I, did, I also did a lot of sports photography, but I love nature better. Because in sports also, another, th another thing, another aspect, is that in sports you have so many people in, in that field of sports. 
Okay, like uh, like uh, surfing photography. That's uh, there's a lot of surfers who are doing photography, and they do a wonderful job. And they know all the surfers, and they know what surfers like, and they know how to photograph surf surfing even better than me. Okay, the same with every field in sports. You name it: soccer, football, uh, athletics, uh, bikes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Every field you have that guy who's one of the guys. And he's doing amazing photography, and also he's doing it for free. <laughs> so I think, I think that uh, I couldn't compete in that field. And that's one more reason I went into wildlife photography, into nature photography. So it, it, all, it all combines. And, and, and that's the reason why, why I went to nature photography. You know, I think so that that's very... I'm sorry, real quick. I think that yeah. story is, is really going to resonate with a lot of listeners of the podcast. Um, and I shared this last right. week. I sent out a, a survey to my listeners, <clears throat> excuse me, asking uh, a series of questions. And one of the questions was, do you think that you are creative? And yeah. 70% said that they felt like they were creative, but 30% said that they felt like they were not creative. And I don't know, maybe it's just me because this is who I am, but I was trying to wrap my head around that trying to figure out like that bundle but hearing your perspective kind of fills in those gaps for me and i hope that the listeners who said that no i don't feel like i'm creative also get a lot out of that statement as well so so thank you for sharing that that's great because i i think that when asking people uh there is a there, there was a survey asking uh students to rate if they are above the average in their class or below the average of their class and 90% said they were above the average. <laughs> and of course, of course, that, that can't be. Yeah. <laughs> 90% can't be above the average. Okay, so, um, so the same with here. I think the, the definition of creativity varies. Uh, because although I, I, I'm doing creative work, I don't consider myself creative in the creative aspect I want to be. So creativity is many times uh, it's uh, subjective. Of course. Okay, so you can't say he is creative, he is not creative. He has it, he doesn't have it. It's a a range. uh, uh, You you can't say from here creativity starts and here it ends. (laughs) Uh, But you always, you can create your creativity by inspiration, by inspiration from other photographers, from other fields in arts, mm-hmm. from other fields in nature, from uh, uh, trying to change your perspective, working with different techniques. Uh, you'll be more creative or differently creative with a drone than with a camera you know, on your iPhone. Okay, so uh, there are a lot of techniques and I'm a technical kind of guy. Yeah. There's a lot of techniques to creativity, and that's what I'm using. I don't have that gut creativity, so to speak, saying that I wake up in the morning, I have an image, and then I go and create something out of nothing. You know, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, Which for sure. Some, they're amazing. Uh, I mean, I wish, I wish I could do that. I wish I could yeah. draw. I wish I could play, but I don't. And that's who I am. I have my advantages. I have my disadvantages. I have my strengths and my weaknesses. And everybody should find their own strengths and weaknesses. Because once you know who you are, you have a much better way to deal with the world as it is. 
I love that. I love that. Okay, so so building upon that, okay, let's focus yeah. a little bit less on the creative side, if that's yeah. a bit of a weakness, and we'll focus more <laughs> on the, the, the technical side, which obviously wildlife photography has a lot of. Now, recently, yeah. I was watching your... Um, I believe it was TEDx uh, Helsinki talk where you were talking about the rarity of capturing mating polar bears. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful talk. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank but you. I want to <laughs> know, you know, you, you, you just said uh, you don't just go into it and, and hope for the best, that there's a lot of planning involved. So how do you prepare to be in the right place at the right time for these two endangered animals to come together and do something that they do once every three years? <laughs> well, you play nice music. You put some wine. <laughs> no, just kidding. Bears love uh, wine. <laughs> they're, they're, well, my my creativity comes from first of all from behaviors and aspects and and exclusive access and uh, kind of uh, aspirations. I want to get close. How do I get closer? I want to shoot from above this behavior. How do I do that? So it comes from a need. So my creativity comes from a need and not out of uh, uh, creativity for the sake of creativity. Um, but planning is a key factor because I, I have a list of images I want to do. And I think everybody should have a list. It doesn't mean you get the list done. I don't think, I don't know any photographer who got his list done. <laughs> but having a list helps you focus on what you need to get. So I wanted to do a polar bear mating uh, photography. So there are several aspects. What do I need to get that shot? I gotta go where the polar bears are. So I gotta find out where the polar bears are. I gotta get special permits because I gotta go into an area that's unreachable for humans. Uh, when do they mate? Okay, so they mate at the end of March or during April. Okay, that's another thing. Uh, and then you got you need to, to have your intelligence, to have your info. Uh, so then you ask around, have you seen any polar bear mating <laughs> courtship around? And then and then you start hearing those gossip stories. Yeah, I I heard that one is mating with that one. I thought I saw a male going into the area with two females, and the females don't have cubs because if they have cubs, it's a different story. Without cubs, they release the females release uh, pheromones, uh, that which the male uh, can recept, and they have uh, this Jacobson organ at the top of their palate, and then they they approach the females and then they mate. So once you have all that all that information, when you have that uh, uh, schedule, your permits, your logistics, everything around it. It's all the matter of just going out there, hoping for the best, and 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 capture it. Okay, hold on. And, Before yeah, you go any not, further, nothing, there yeah. has to be more than just hoping for the best, because I'm sure that, yeah, well, especially when it comes to location, but it doesn't mean that it's going to happen. <laughs> right. Exactly. But uh, so that was exactly what I was looking for. All of that planning was exactly what I was looking for in that answer. But now, more specifically, I want to know how did you choose the spot that you decided to to be in, kn knowing that there would be polar bears that would that would show up, if that makes sense. Well, you, you go where the polar bears are. You don't choose 
uh-huh. and you don't, you don't choose anything. Right. Uh, so do you, you, do you track these fo- these polar bears until they see uh-huh. each other and then uh-huh. set up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, first, okay. I, I've had the information of, after I told you everything, I've had the information of mating polar bears. So I knew in what area, what fjord in Svalbard they're supposed to be. So uh, that's where I had to be. That's where I had to go. And uh, I have had amazing, amazing specialists, top-of-the-line specialists, uh, which I've been working with also on the BBC film uh, Snow Bears uh, <laughs> that came out last Christmas, um, also in the U.S. on PBS, Nature. Um, so we've had all this experience. I'm go- Actually, to be honest, I'm going there again on Saturday. Oh, wow. Come- yeah. <laughs> what is it for uh, this time? Sorry? What what are you uh, hoping to get out of this trip? Oh, I can't I can't tell you <laughs> until it's over. <laughs> what but, a tease. Okay, okay. I get uh, it, I get it. So uh, it's something with white, white bears. Oh. <laughs> Another form of white bear. Okay, I got it. I got it. No, it's the same. Uh, more, more of the polar bears, uh-huh. but we've got. I've got some uh, more behaviors and more things that I ho- I'm hoping for. Uh, but you never know. Again, no- nothing is certain. Nothing is guaranteed. There is so much, so much uncertainty when it mm. comes to nature, to wildlife photography, because the animals never do what I want them to do. They do what they need to do. Okay, so of it's uh, it, there's so many question marks. Actually, there there are more question marks than than exclamation marks. But um, I think uh, I'm, I'm hoping for the best, and uh, keep your fingers crossed as well. I will. Uh, <laughs> but, but I'm going to this uh, Saturday for uh, a one-week project, uh, coming back, and I'm going there again at the end of April for another project. Hey, Raymond here, and we will get back to today's show in just a moment. But first, if you shoot in auto mode and you let your camera make the decisions for which settings to use... Well, then you will only ever take the same photo as everyone else who shoots in auto. That's like 99% of the world's population taking the same photo as you. Don't let that happen. Stand out. When you control your settings, you can create beautiful images. And to get you started, I invite you to download my free ebook, Perfect Camera Settings, over at perfectcamerasettings.com. There, you will see real photos that I've taken in different situations and the settings that I use to capture those photos. I'm also going to teach you how to know which setting is the most important to pay attention to and when to change them. So, again, download your free copy over at perfectcamerasettings.com now. All right, let's get back to today's interview. I guess that kind of brings me to one of my next questions, which is uh, how how does the 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 career side of being a wildlife or conservation photographer work? Because as a as a wedding photographer, couples come to me, they ask me to shoot their wedding, they pay me money, I show up. End of day. That's a good. Uh, that's a good plan. Right? Yeah. Not not too bad. <laughs> But I know that other photographers, lots of street photographers, they go out on their own, they do their own work, they shoot what they want, they come back, and then they sell or license their images. So from a wildlife photography standpoint, how does, how does the career side work for you?
Hey, Raymond here. Are you looking for fresh inspiration behind the lens? Whether you're in a bit of a creative slump or just eager to try something new, I've got just the thing for you. Our free download, 46 Creative Photography Ideas to Get You Out of a Rut, is packed with unique, imaginative, and fun photography challenges that will rekindle your passion and help you see the world through a new perspective. From capturing the beauty of the night sky to transforming everyday objects into artistic masterpieces. Each idea is designed to spark your creativity and elevate your photography skills. And the best part? It's completely free. So why wait? Visit creativeimageideas.com right now and grab your free guide. Let's turn that inspiration into stunning images. Well, um, there are several aspects. First, just to be completely brutally honest, um, there is no, it's, hard, it's, hard, it's hard to make money out of it and only the people at the top are making money. And in my, in my experience, in life in general, and again, photography in specific, because I think photography is a, is a mirror of life, okay? It's a, a part of it. <laughs> and uh, the, the, the sexier the field is, the funner, more fun the field is, the harder it is to make money. Mm -hmm. The more you suffer, the more it's boring, the more nobody wants to do it, you'll make more money out of it. Okay? So uh, if you want to make money, go and do uh, commercial work. I mean, that's a lot of money in commercial work. Do catalogs. Boring as hell if you ask me. <laughs> but there is a lot of money in it. I've been doing it. Mm -hmm. I, I, for me, I, 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 I can't do it anymore. But uh, at, at that time, yeah, it, it, it was a way to, to, get, to make a living. But photography, uh, wildlife photography, sorry, it's fun. It's adventurous. So many people want to do it for free. And, and the more people are willing, who want to do it for free, uh, the harder it is to make a living. Uh, again, I'm sorry for being this brutally honest, but no, this is it, 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 it's the way it is. Um, so, uh, sorry? Uh, so, f for me, it's also, it, it, it's been a long journey until it started uh, to, to, to be an um, in income <laughs> career and not an outcome career. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this, uh, this trip coming up so, that you have but, did... But it is... The, the ways to make a living out of it is uh, you go out, you photograph. If you have an, a good article, a good story, you can write about it and you can get uh, paid by magazines. Yeah, you can be commissioned by magazines. Uh, you give talks. I do a lot of public speaking about uh, conservation, environmentalism, and, uh, of course, wildlife and adventure. Um, and also, yeah, I've been doing the films for the BBC, uh, among others, and you're selling licenses uh, for your footage. Um, so it comes from everywhere. It comes from everywhere. You also sell prints. You also do uh, exhibitions and uh, galleries. Uh, you sell online prints. Um, okay, okay. I think all, that, all that answers the question for sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, when it, you, you obviously got into the conservation side of photography to help make a change in the world, right? Like you said, yeah. for those you want to speak, for those who cannot speak for themselves. So yeah. can you tell me about a time where, where you have seen one of your photos make a difference in conservation efforts? 
Well, first of all, it's uh, it started um, in um, 2014 when I started seeing things for myself that are disturbing. Seeing less polar bears, seeing hungry polar bears, seeing less ice. So that, that got me into that conservation aspect of photography uh, because I felt like I've seen too much to ignore it. I've seen too much to say this is not happening. And for me, uh, as I said in the TED talk, uh, I meant it, that well, global warming was two words to just read about and hear about, and suddenly there it is, it's real. Um, so I think joining uh, Greenpeace um, has become a, a really amazing opportunity and becoming their ambassador on their campaigns has been an amazing uh, uh, journey. And uh, the, I can't say there is uh, one specific image that made a whole lot of a difference, but maybe, maybe it will come. But uh, there have been uh, many, many images that have been part of campaigns and that thing, I think that uh, made a difference. There are images uh, of uh, the dreaming of sea ice, the image of a polar bear sleeping on the ice that has been featured uh, in many um, medias. And also my uh, campaign for the Antarctic, which was also uh, really nice with Greenpeace to create the Antarctic Ocean Sanctuary. Um, Can you tell so, me a little bit more about that? How, how does a project like that work? They have a goal to create the sanctuary yeah. and then they contact you. Yeah. What what's going through your head? Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That, that's what's going on my head. Yeah. <laughs> Just to be uh, to, to say to set it straight. But uh, yeah, uh, Greenpeace has asked me if I would like to participate in that campaign, and I said absolutely yes. Uh, and uh, I gave them my material from the Antarctic. Uh, we created with Greenpeace Israel. Uh, uh, wonderful videos explaining about the Antarctic Ocean Sanctuary and its uh, purpose, uh, what's the threat and what's the solution, uh, along with other uh, Greenpeace ambassadors who have been doing amazing work. Uh, Greenpeace has gathered millions of uh, signatures on the campaign, on the petition, and uh, got the countries who are involved in the Antarctic uh, Pact to vote about their, their sanctuary. Uh, 22 out of 25 countries voted yes, three voted no. Uh, so there's, the ocean sanctuary didn't uh, materialize, maybe it will in the future, but Greenpeace has made the uh, organization for krill harvesting, uh, made a commitment to make a commitment not to harvest krill in the ocean, ocean of Antarctica. And so we did get something, there was a positive outcome to that campaign as well as other campaigns uh, in Svalbard, in the North Pole, to stop uh, drilling for oil and gas, uh, because that could be a, a huge uh, disaster if uh, there would be an oil spill, like in the Gulf of Mexico, but in the North Pole. Uh, so that has also uh, been a very successful campaign by Greenpeace and other uh, organizations as well. So I think uh, photographers, I mean, not just me, I'm, I'm one of many, uh, who are doing amazing work. Uh, uh, photographers have are the ambassadors, I can say, of nature. Photographers convey a message 
that is much stronger than words because seeing a hungry polar bear like the one shot by Paul Nicklin last year uh, starving near the barrels and, uh, and, uh, and the debris uh, gets huge attention from the international community a lot more than another article in the news because people believe what they see mm-hmm. and that's what photography is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when they came to you with this idea of this sanctuary and asked you to do the campaign, I kind of want to know uh, what's like what was their goal for you? What was what did they want out of the photography, and how did you take what they wanted and turn it into that? So first of all, I can show you the the campaign itself. Uh, it's um, it's a really nice campaign, very informative. And what they wanted me to show is to explain what's going on in Antarctica, what is the threat, and what is the solution. So we had to go through a three-stage video. And the goal is to get as many signatures on the petition as possible. Uh, So again, photography is is, a way to communicate. So that's that's my my job uh, in, in this campaign. That's my goal just to get as many as, as many people as involved as possible because if people care the governments care if people don't care the governments don't care right so, and they're the ones who write the checks I get it <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly so if, if somebody's listening right now and they really love uh, the idea I hope of they yeah they definitely will be if somebody's listening right now and they they love the idea of 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 going out and doing better things in the world with their camera and telling those stories how would you recommend that somebody get started in in conservation efforts through photography Here's the fastest way to start making money with your photography. Head to deliverphotos.com to sign up for a free CloudSpot account. There, you can create a digital storefront to sell your prints in just a few clicks. The most popular print sizes are 4x6s, 5x7s, and 8x10s, so be sure to offer those. With CloudSpot's global markup tool, you can create profitable pricing without any guesswork. Now, when you send a client their gallery, surprise them with a small print credit to encourage them to purchase additional prints. Look, CloudSpot really is the easiest way to deliver and sell photos online. So grab your free CloudSpot account today by signing up at deliverphotos.com now. Well, I think the the best way to start is is also the way I started, which is just go out there, photograph, share images, and share stories. If you see some wrong being done, don't overlook. Don't look the other way. But photograph, share your story, and share it online if everybody talks about it it becomes even stronger the next phase when I when I heard my voice wasn't strong enough that's when I joined uh, uh, Greenpeace but there are so many good environmental of course the Greenpeace as well uh, environmental organizations that people can join uh, that people can uh, donate that people can uh, sign the petitions uh, because every voice counts, every image counts, and and again, we are all in this together. Yeah, it kind of just parrots kind of the whole thesis of this podcast, which is just get out there and just shoot, <laughs> shoot and yeah, fail. exactly. Yeah, you come exactly. up with something, people will like it. I love it. I love it. Okay, now I want to talk about gear for a quick moment because uh, gear is something that we don't really talk a lot about on this podcast. Yeah. As uh, um, 
as you know as a professional working photographer that that a that a photo is more than just the sum of its settings right but with with wildlife photography it's a different ball game you have to take a lot of stuff because sometimes you're in these remote locations so can you share what photographers need to know like what makes your kit different than say a portrait photographer it's heavier (laughs) but (laughs) um well i want to i want to make a, a point straight first and foremost photographers especially wildlife photographers but all kinds of photographers usually when the image is not good they blame the gear Mm -hmm. okay first things first don't blame the gear the gear is fine okay the gear is is super the the worst camera today is better than the best camera 10 years ago and 10 years ago there were amazing images being made all over the world I mean no doubt about it so uh, first, it's not the gear. The gear is fine. Just try to work with what you have. A, a bad photographer will get bad images out of the best camera out there. So again, it's not, it's not the gear. But uh, that being said, uh, you want to adapt your gear to what you're shooting and not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Okay, so look at what you like to shoot and see how you can shoot it better and if your gear is your limit, then you buy something new. Uh, for me, one of my favorite wildlife photography lens is the Nikon 24-70 f2.8. Mm. Okay, which is, you'd say it's a portrait lens. It's and pretty yes, wide, yeah. Wildlife photography is a lot about portraits. Uh, it's about behavior, it's about getting close, it's about showing uh, the, the environment as well as the animal. Okay, so uh, first thing, things first. I mean, try to work with what you have and improve your gear only once you've reached a certain limit of your own, of your own equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a, a Jitsu ambassador. Jitsu is the tripod company. Tripods. Yeah, uh, so uh, tripods and bags and accessories. Uh, so I'm uh, their ambassador. I'm also a DJI ambassador, and I'm also working. Uh, I'm a G Technology. G Tech is the hard drives. It's a professional yes. brand of uh, SanDisk and Western Digital, and I'm also a Nikon uh, beta tester uh, for their gear. Uh, so to be honest, I'm I get gear for free, so I can choose whatever I want. Uh, so yeah, sure, why not? Give me the 800 millimeter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but. So, but, so, so gear matters. But I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily buy everything that I'm getting. Uh-huh. I would work with what I have and not start buying unnecessary gear and stocking up uh, when it costs so much. Yes. So you have, to, you have to, to, to see where you're going and then adjust your gear accordingly and not, and not the other way around. I heard people say... I got this amazing camera. It's uh, and the 600 millimeter lens, but I'm I'm photographing dogs. Okay, <laughs> you don't you don't, you, don't, you don't need that kind of lens yeah. for dog photography. <laughs> dogs in the okay? next state away. I get it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So again, you need to you need to really think about what you're getting, and how will it improve your photography, uh, and not just go and buy whatever and work your way your way around it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and sometimes my gear is not it's not just the lenses. It's also the, 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 the laptop and, and my uh, 
backups and uh, tripods and uh, uh, triggers, uh, remote uh, underwater housing, drone, batteries, batteries, batteries. <laughs> And also clothing, because when you shoot at minus 30, minus 40 degrees, you have to have the right gear and the right gloves and the right uh, uh, balaclava and and whatever. You've got to have your uh, hand warmers, not for your hands, but for your batteries. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So there is a lot of things you think about that are not just photography. It, it could be a satellite phone, but it's part of my photography gear. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, what are the, what's the camera like on those satellite phones? Are they any good? Oh, no, no, no cameras. <laughs> oh, man, okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. So I, yeah. for, I, I've got my iPhone with me, so. Oh, there you go. Anyways. Does that still work at negative 30 degrees? What, the, the iPhone? Yeah, the iPhone. Uh, I keep it inside my suit, and oh, I so get it out, warmer. and I photograph, and I put it back in. <laughs> uh, That'd be the perfect the iPhone, <laughs> Yeah, because otherwise, it, it, when it when it, the battery dies, you can't turn it on unless you charge it. Unlike uh, camera batteries, which after you you heat them up, they are full again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's fine. So you got to be really careful with your iPhone. So for for those, we kind of talked about uh, wanting to get into. Uh, conservation photography. We talked a little bit about the gear and what it takes in conservation photography. Um, what do people need to know before going into these potentially dangerous situations with potentially dangerous animals? Don't. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. The, the, being with dangerous animals and being in dangerous situations, you have to have training and knowledge. I mean, don't go into a situation uh, that you don't know how you're going to get out of, okay? In general, in life, yes. okay? So not just photography, but uh, the, the, you have to learn, you have to ask, you have to, ex- uh, to test, you have to be careful. You need to see and talk to people who are doing this because if they're doing it and they're still there, it means they're probably doing it, uh, doing it well. Uh, so uh, it took me, uh, myself, a long time before I dared uh, getting closer uh, to certain animals. Some, most animals I still don't. Mm-hmm. But uh, don't do something you're unsure of and always ask if you have any question. And of course, uh, respect nature because uh, sometimes things that you think are okay could create a lot of stress with the animal. And uh, stress with the animal could be harmful for the animal or harmful for the photographer if the photographer is not careful. Uh, so don't, don't go and do crazy things unless you know what you're doing. It took me after, only after seeing hundreds, hundreds, thousands maybe, of walruses over five years, I started getting closer to them. Okay, only then I feel that to, to read, and I feel I can read their communication. Because when a walrus is stressed, he shows a certain behavior. And when he's relaxed, he shows a certain behavior. Hmm. So you have to be, to know how to read this behavior. And reading this behavior could be a matter of seconds before it can be uh, harmful for either you or the animals because you don't want to start a stampede. Yeah, no, I, I, I can imagine. Be, yeah, and you don't want to be hurt, hurt as well. 
so again, it's uh, it's uh, a lot of practice and a lot of time and a lot of reading and a lot of consulting and a lot of talking to people who are doing it. Wonderful. So again, don't do anything uh, you're, you're unsure of. Yeah, have you ever had a very uh, dangerous moment that you were legitimately scared for your life? And how'd you get out of it? Uh, well, it's not a, I mean, it's, it's not a walk in the park, mm-hmm. okay? But uh, depending which park, I mean, there are some parks I think there that are, are more parks. dangerous. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, to tell you that I've been genuinely and really uh, scared for my life in a life-threatening situation that I almost died, no, it never happened to me. Good. And it's because uh, you paid attention to your surroundings? Because you I paid questions. attention because I didn't get into those situations. Uh, but, there, you know, there, there are moments where I'm stretching the limits. Uh, I won't say there aren't. Uh, last week I was in Tanzania and I was photographing hippos. And to photograph hippos is, you know, I always, hippos can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Okay? But I, I got low because I want to get this uh, low angle, uh, the same eye level as the hippo. And uh, and hippos can be dangerous. You have to be. Yeah, I had a guy, one of my one of the rangers, was standing behind me and watching over, just uh, uh, to warn me, and in case something happens that I'm unaware of, because I'm concentrating on photography. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got I got my watcher, and I've got my my hippos, and I've got my camera. Uh, and every now and then, a hippo uh, might get too close, or might. Uh, uh, dive and approach underwater and then you get up oh, closer and you know though they have these uh, thick sounds very heavy uh, deep sounds uh-huh. where you feel in your gut when, <laughs> when, they, when they are calling and uh, of course they also uh, 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 defecate that's the word poop mm-hmm. poop yeah and and they throw it around with their tail. Do they really? Uh, they do. I I, I felt it. <laughs> they did. They did it on me. Oh, but it's, uh, yeah. But it's uh, one of the risks, one of the hazards of the occupation. That's fine. Uh, but you know, I I always I only placed myself in that situation because I knew there was a, a, sh- a small cliff, a one meter cliff at the edge at the edge of the of the ground mm-hmm. so i knew hippos can't climb that they can't jump they can't climb a one meter uh, uh, step oh. that easily so that's why i felt comfortable being this close i wouldn't do that if there was a, a shoreline a gradual slope where they could charge and run straight at me mm-hmm. so that's why i felt comfortable yeah, no, I can imagine that being on that end of a uh, of a hippo charge would be probably one of the scariest experiences that a human could experience. So I'm glad that uh, that you paid attention to your surroundings. Yeah, that, that's uh, how you do it. Yeah. You have to have a spotter. You have to because somebody can surprise you where you're not expecting it, and you have to have this knowledge about what is safe and what is not safe uh, in order to uh, to watch yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, Rory, I, uh, man, you've shared so much today. You've, you've, you've given us a ton of info and, and really helped out, I think, for those who want to get out in nature, spend some time with, with, uh, with wildlife and photograph to hopefully better not only their communities but the world. So, again, I, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Can you share with the listeners how they can uh, get in touch or find you online? 
Sure. Uh, well, they can look up Roy Gallitz on uh, Instagram or Facebook or Google. Um, and I'm there. I'm on, <laughs> on every social media, <laughs> practically. Uh, and again, I feel free. Uh, I'd appreciate it. And again, thank you so much for hosting me. Uh, it's been a, a lot of fun talking to you and sharing my uh, perspective. And I hope you enjoy. I, I sure did. And I know that the listeners did as well. So again, Rory... Thank you again so much for coming on the podcast, and uh, I look forward to keeping up with you and your travels, and, uh, and, and I'll be crossing my fingers that you don't get in front of a uh, hippo stampede anytime soon. So again, man, have a, uh, have a great day. Thank you. Thank you so much. I got to tell you, that interview, I want to uh, go and start photographing some polar bears mating. <laughs> I'm serious. I maybe, you know, not in Antarctica. I've always wanted to go to Antarctica. Um, I've always wanted to see polar bears. My logo in my photography business is of a polar bear. Um, uh, they just seem like such majestic creatures. And, you know, having the ability to see them close up and, uh, you know, gain some sort of trust to be able to photograph them is just... Uh, really really inspiring to me and I, I i really enjoyed this episode but my biggest takeaway was definitely the the honesty right that that roy shared of you know you don't have to be quote-unquote traditionally creative in order to be successful as a photographer uh, as i mentioned in that survey that i sent out the 30 percent of you have said that you do not feel like you are creatives you know and and i'm assuming that the camera is hopefully it is what you're assuming is going to be your way into some sort of creativity and that's awesome and that is awesome but i would just uh parrot again that uh well what rory said that you don't have to be you don't have to be so far out there to be considered creative right you can use the technical skills to do something new and creative in your photography because creativity is different for every single person and it uh, it, it is defined uh, in a different way depending on what it, whatever it is that you are doing so just keep it up you know just keep it up put in the work put in the time keep practicing and you will achieve uh, you know happiness in your photography and you're going to get to a point to where you are doing uh, creative work to your standards and that is awesome I would love to know if you are one of the 30% of people that uh, uh, responded to the survey and said that you don't feel like you are a creative. I really want to know your specifically, your um, biggest takeaway from this interview, if it was that or if it was something else. So feel free, please share it in the Beginner Photography Podcast Facebook group. And if you're not already a part of the Beginner Photography Podcast Facebook group, we have over one thousand members of photographers just like you who are at you know their own uh, a place in this journey in photography and we all know that uh, that nobody is you know at the at the same skill level so there's no dumb questions there's no rudeness it is just a community of like-minded new photographers who want to help each other out so if you're interested feel free to join i would love to have you just search facebook for beginner photography podcast uh, group and you will find it you have to answer three quick questions and then i will let you in you will you'll get the golden ticket into the group and then please share your biggest takeaway
away from this interview. And that is it. Okay, I am going to take off now, and I will see you all again next week. How does that sound? Sounds pretty good. All right, until next week, I want you to get out there, keep shooting, try something new and creative. I don't know. Focus on yourself and be safe. All right, that's it. I love you all. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us a review in iTunes or your favorite podcast player and continue the conversation with Raymond and other listeners of the podcast by joining the Beginner Photography Podcast Facebook group today. Thank you. We'll see you again next week.